welcome to Practicing Connection, a podcast exploring the personal stories and collective practices that empower us to work together to improve our resilience and readiness in a rapidly changing world. Here to start the conversation are Jessica Beckendorf and Bob Birch. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, It's great to have you along, and it's going to be a little bit of a different episode. We've had so many uh, episodes lately that have been interviews, which has been so great, by the way, to learn from people um, throughout this year. But uh, for this episode, you're just going to hear the two of us uh, talking a little bit because we're going to be talking about a change, a little bit of a change to the podcast, really just the name, um, and sort of a new initiative that uh, Jessica and I are starting um, to kind of pull some of our work together into one piece. So we're going to be talking about the term practicing connection. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit as just a concept, like what does that mean? But we're also going to share details of this new effort that I mentioned uh, to bring some of our projects together under that name. And so the, what that means for the podcast is that uh, you the name and the logo, as you might have uh, already noticed, are changing. Uh, we're no longer the Practicing Connection in a Complex World podcast. We're just going to be known as the Practicing Connection podcast. And even though the name and the logo are changing, the purpose of the podcast is not going to change at all. We're going to continue to explore personal and collective practices that empower us to work together to help each other and our families and our communities to improve our resilience and readiness still in that rapidly changing complex world that that used to be part of the part of the title. Um, But the thing that's going to be a little bit different, I think, is we're going to try and be more intentional about connecting you as a listener to the podcast to some of the other projects that we have going on that have the same purpose, that same purpose of developing those personal and collective practices. And so we're going to share more about those projects later. Um, But first, why don't we zoom out a little bit, Jessica, and just talk about this term, practicing connection, which has sort of been a part of our work for a little while. It's going to become an even bigger part of our work. Yeah, I think one of the things that might be really useful right now is to talk a little bit about where we started. And um, Bob, I'm wondering if you can kind of take us through how we started, how the one-op network literacy team started um, so that we can kind of explain where we're at now and and where we're going. Yeah, sure. So on a a relatively warm day in Charlotte, North Carolina, no, (laughs) think back, put yourself there. Uh, But that is where we started, uh, a group of of us, uh, mostly uh, folks who were working in, in cooperative extension across the country. Um, got together and and we really launched what was then known as the Network Literacy Community of Practice, which eventually became part of the Military Families Learning Network, which now is known as OneOp. But when we started, we were really focused on social media and digital literacy, even though the idea for the group for network literacy was really based in concepts of network science. That idea of connecting people in networks, uh, this and and the idea of connecting people in networks was, you know, specific, not just for the sake of doing it, but because of the belief that uh, that would produce benefits that we 
weren't going to get from organizing people in hierarchies. That was sort of the focus. So even though that was at the center of it, what we ended up doing a lot of, because this is 12, 13 years ago now, uh, people weren't super familiar with the tools that we might use to build networks that were not local, you know, networks at a distance. So social media, um, collaboration tools like Google Drive and things like that. So we did a lot of training and and talking about a lot of those tools. And so that's where it started. Fast forward a little bit for a few years and more people have become familiar with those tools, with social media, a little bit more digital literacy in the organizations among professionals and things like that. And so we we changed gears. We kind of just completely flipped. We we turned internally. So we we started to focus on one op um, as a network, the one op network. Like how could we improve that network? Um, how could we measure the effectiveness of that network and then improve it? Um, and we did a lot of change in in that area. We did that for about four years. We did. Um, some social network analysis and and did work internally on the one-op network. And we started be, to begin turning outward again. And this is uh, this is where it would be great to bring you in, Jessica, because this is about the time when you actually came into network literacy. So yeah, it is. Um, I started to, I, I actually met a couple of people who were in this network literacy community of practice while I was um, avoiding writing my master's thesis. (laughs) So I took a class through um, Northwestern University, I think it was. It was a free, massive, open online course. And um, I ended up, of course, gravitating toward um, a couple of the people who I think were a part of Network Literacy Is It from the beginning. So Steve Judd and Karen Jeanette, yes. And, And what ended up drawing me to it besides avoiding writing my master's thesis is, you know, I've been spending all of my career in uh, community development and I've seen a lot of, seen a lot of initiatives. um, When people come together and collaborate, I've seen initiatives go well and I've seen, you know, one person throw a wrench into the whole mix. I started to become really curious and interested in um, the kinds of relationships that result in community and community change because my whole career was based on changing communities. So I actually came into this project with an outward lens since my career really is has been based on the idea of community change and people coming together to um, support um, each other and to support their um, the people that they serve. So when you think about one op, for instance, um, we've got these different concentration areas, and they are working to you know support service providers who are out there supporting you know families and supporting um, the, their clients. And um, to me, that's a huge part of how community change starts to happen is when you've got these uh, networks of support. And and when we're talking about networks. Um, that's really what we're talking about. There's complexity in the world and that especially the issues that we all share are complex and that, you know, one of the things that has been written about, about complex issues is, is there, you know, some people say they're just, they're not solvable, right? Um, you kind of have to just continually address them. Um, and that a good way to do that, to effectively address them uh, lessen their negative impacts and things like that is to do so from multiple perspectives, 
um, and then and doing it together. So that because no no one organization, no one person, uh, no one government um, can solve these problems. You know, and the and the big there's a lot of them that we all face here, but the easy one for all of us, I think, to bring in mind is climate change. Right? There's just so much, so many effects that are going into what's happening with our climate that just one solution is just we're not just going to like you know widget our way out of it. Hey, I created a new gadget that you know will end climate change. It's just not not possible. So the only way to kind of so there isn't an app for that. There's not an app no, for climate okay. change. Okay. <laughs> so here's the idea, right? How do we see complex issues from multiple perspectives and start collaborating with each other to identify solutions for addressing these complex issues? And you know, the answer to all of that is connection. The Department of Defense recognizes that. Um, you know, that military family readiness and that that specific issue is a complex one. Um and by defining the military family readiness system, uh, Department of Defense had um, given us a way to address that complexity, right? And so the way DOD uh, defines the military family readiness system is at, that it's the, the network of agencies, programs, services, and individuals, and the collaboration among them that promotes the readiness and quality of life of service members and their families. It's this network of agencies, not just, you know, the service providers in that are employed by the branch services, not just social workers in the communities, not just clergy. It's, it's all of this together. Um, and it's it makes complex. sense. Yeah. It's complex. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's how we address, um, you know, readiness and resilience and quality of life of service members and, and their families. And, and it makes sense, you know, when you consider about 75% um, of military families live off of an installation. Um, so when we say in communities, it's not necessarily just at, you know, at all of the big bases um, everywhere. There's, there are military family um, members in your community. Yeah. And I mean, that, and because of that, you know, it, whatever you're doing in your community, assuming that you're, you know, especially if you are um, a helping professional, a part of, you know, that you are part of the community of care, supporting military families, and of course, everyone else in your community. Yeah. Right. Whatever it is that you do, if, if it's volunteering, you know, um, for your church or, mm -hmm. or leading a, a youth group or, or, you know, any of that, you, you probably have military family members um, that are participating. So, so you're part, that means you're part of the military family readiness system. And so that really became a powerful idea because of those two words that came up in the military family readiness system definition, network and collaboration and sort of going back to our how and why we work, Jessica, mm -hmm. that means relationships, right? Yeah. Like there's just no, you don't have networks without connecting people. Yeah. And in our view, you don't have collaboration without, you know, meaningful relationships between the people who are collaborating. Yeah. And, and so then when we think about the practicing connection programs, um, or whatever we want to call that, the Practicing Connection Initiative that um, we've been, all of the work that we've been putting out there, we see this as helping service providers um, by 
doing things like offering content and sharing practices that would support building relationships um, and building relationship skills like trust and communication. Um, and those are those things are are really needed for um, effective collaboration and, and of all kinds, but for effective collaboration with federal and non-federal entities that serve military families. And like you said, Bob, even if you don't if you haven't thought of yourself as somebody who serves military families, the thing is you you probably are or um or could be or you're at least part of this network. Mm-hmm. Right? So even if military families haven't sought you out and sought your services out, you're probably part of this network. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it I have I don't want to um make this concept so amorphous that it yeah. doesn't have a definition anymore yeah but you know it, it gets back to and i'm sure it'll come up again just this idea of um networks and connection and resilience right mm-hmm. so part of our resilience a large part of our resilience some people would say the majority or most of our resilience comes from external factors having a social support system Mm-hmm. is a huge part of resilience. And we're all probably part of at least one person's social support system, mm-hmm. right? Even if we're just that person's friend, um, but especially if we have roles uh, as social workers or financial advisors or, you know, counselors or, you know, some other kind of thing, uh, some other kind of service oriented uh, job, either as a job, as a paid job or as, as a volunteer. So, um, and military families fall into that, that definition of everyone, right? Like, yeah. so we all need social support, uh, so then for that's, our resilience. Yeah. That's really another reason. Um, another thing that I think is a goal of ours is to try to wait, raise awareness among service providers of the role that they can play in linking informal and formal networks that promote, you know, things like resilience. Yeah. And then seeing that, right. Being aware that you're in there as a member of the network and what you can do, um, you know, to, to help improve the connectedness. Yeah. Some other things that we think that, you know, practicing connection will, will be able to do and focus on is helping, um, us all understand our own well-being, uh, and the well-being of others, and how that scales up to the well-being of a community. And this reminds me a little bit of our eight ways to cultivate uh, communities in times of change, which is in the work that we did on on community resilience last year. And you can still find that work on our on our website. Um, nice job dropping in that uh, free resource. That's right. Promo. <laughs> I got to get a short promo in there for that, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that, but that's the idea. And mm-hmm. you can, t- obviously we get excited about this. That's really I'm trying to rein myself in from going on all these tangents, but this idea that this stuff scales up is, you know, kind of an important concept, you know, and that's, that's why a lot of times you'll hear us talk about the individual work, which is something else that practicing connection supports is supporting you to do the individual work necessary mm-hmm. to prepare yourself. Uh, to address the the varied composition, diversity, and demographics of military families and the military family service providers that we're all working with together in the military family readiness system. Um, and that 
that personal work we think scales up, right? So knowing yourself, practicing self-reflection, practicing mindfulness, these things, um, uh, you know, are the start of the ripple for lack of a better, for lack of a better analogy, a less hackneyed analogy, <laughs> right. Um, you know, and that, and that they kind of, they kind of scale up or they, they, uh, ripple outward, uh, into your personal relationships, your individual, personal one-on-one relationships to your collaborations, to your, you know, to your teams, to your advisory boards, your parent teacher associations, all of that work. And all of that spirals out to your community. And we think, you know, uh, to the broader world, the broader globe. So let's change up our conversation here. And and share a little bit about where practicing connection came from, because, you know, looking at um, thinking about all the things that we want to help with, you know, this could just as easily, easily be called, you know, leadership development um, or group um, group collaboration, you know, um, professional development. That that would be a terrible name. But let's talk about why we chose practicing connection. Well, you can start because sure. I think as we were as we were preparing for this conversation, you know, I went on and on about what it means and all this other stuff. And you're like, uh, well, wait a second. If we got help from our colleagues. So that's how we really came up with it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. So why don't we start? Yeah. Why don't we start there? Yes, that's exactly what happened. We actually um we we started, frankly, even before we we decided we do a podcast, there had been talk about doing a one-up wide podcast, something that kind of was all-encompassing that would provide some deeper thoughts, some professional development. And so we talked to our colleagues, like, what do you want? Like, what would make it feel like this was from one-up? What would make it feel like, um, what, what kind of content needs to be put into a a podcast like this what do you want people to feel like when they see things like the name or when they when they listen to the podcast what do you want people to feel like and they um there were a lot of things we talked about um (laughs) but in a nutshell they wanted something that would inspire people to act that would inspire them to grow to think deeper and they wanted it to feel welcoming and so when you and I were talking about names, we had talked about having words in there about collaboration or having words in there about um, about relationships and building relationships, you know, community, like all these words came to mind. And then um, when we thought about the core elements, we thought practice, like people actively being able to practice uh, what they're hearing about. Um, and we do end almost every episode with a specific practice, something that people can try if they'd like to. And we thought that at at its core, connection is kind of where it starts. Um, and it kind of, uh, we always use the term, you know, fractals. It, it's, you know, connection happens here. And from here, it branches out and grows. It's so easy for me and I assume other folks are might be similarly inclined 
to focus on building, building relationships, building a network. Um, and that says to me something that is relatively finite, um, even though it might go on years and years and years, um, it, it sort of has a beginning and an end. There's, a, there's an end point in mind. And it has, I'm going to use the word active, and I don't, I want to be careful because I don't want practice to be something that is considered the opposite of that, you know, that is passive. But the idea was we're building something, you and I are building a shed in my backyard. We're going to have a beginning and an end. We're going to have some raw materials. We're going to be actively doing that. Maybe take some breaks or whatever, you know, there's until... some perfect like end, like there's some yep. perfect way that it will end or there's there's like a an outcome that can be considered, you know, perfect versus other outcomes. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And I think that's where that's why I think the word practice is so right for mm -hmm. what we're talking about here is that these practices don't have a perfect outcome, um, mm -hmm. you know, that there is and, and that there is no sort of end point when we're done practicing, um, you know, and, and it th maybe the easier um, analogy that comes to mind when we talk about practice is things you actually practice, like you know, a musical instrument or um, a sport or something like that, right? Like uh, basketball fans, LeBron James doesn't stop practicing, right? He's just like, oh, I'm perfect now. Don't need to practice anymore. Um, it's something even, that kind of continues and that you build on, yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry. that, But uh, what comes to mind, and you've said this many times from Carol Dweck's work on growth mindset, um, we always like to say it's about getting better, not being good at something, right? It's right. about always kind of striving to be better. And I just heard this recently from a friend too, and I, I wish I could recall the source, but she said that um, she was reading something recently where they just said, um, if we could all commit to just being better. Um, and so I know that that makes it sound like it's a deficit. Um, like, like we're coming from a place of like, we're not good now. I, but that's not what the sentiment was. It was really about, um, if we're always striving to be better. And, um, and in this case, we always say it's about getting better, not about being good. Um, I think that that puts us in a good, it's in a good place for growth, mm -hmm. um, which is what we're ultimately, I think, hoping to help people with. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing that practices when I think about this too, is that, um, that they can be used or that they're there for you anytime that you need to use them. Not like when you have a focus, Oh, I, I have to do my, this practice right yeah. now, because you know, uh, this meeting's going to be planning X. And so I'm going to use this practice. Yeah. You can use them that way. But the point of them being practices is that they can be, you can benefit from them anytime. Um, yeah. You have some unexpected time in your day, yeah. do some mindfulness practice, or you're faced with something that really like challenges your, your thinking or your emotions. Like maybe I'll do some deep breathing practices or, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I kind of focused in, in that area, but it doesn't have to be that, you know, one, mm -hmm. one practice 
um, since we promise you, you promise sharing practices, Jessica, like one, <laughs> one practice that, um, I've, I've done a long time. It's just a relationship building practice, which is when you think about somebody, do something about it. Even if it's just a text or a, a quick email, just saying, Hey, I was just thinking about you. Hope you're okay. You know, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be an invite to a new collaboration or an, a great idea that you had or a new book that you need to share, but just that. So that's the kind of thing that is just like, hey, I can do on the fly yeah. on the spur of the moment. So that's why I think practice is important because practices are that way. We can, we can kind of bring them out at any time um, and not just in these particular contexts where we're trying to quote unquote, build something, quote unquote, learn something, whatever the case might be. Well, so then if like practice is a huge part of um, what we are trying to help people with, then let's talk a little bit about this practicing connection initiative. So again, this is about bringing all of our work under this umbrella and you know, even though we've been marching, as we've kind of shared with you today um, in this episode, even though we've been kind of marching this direction for a while, this is a more solidified version of, you know, what we're currently calling is the Practicing Connection Initiative. So um, we're going to share a little bit about the projects we have currently, and um, maybe a couple of our hopes for what we'd like to do in the future projects we have currently i mean this podcast is um <laughs> a <laughs> really big one <laughs> number one on the list yep yeah. number one number one on the list um we have the practicing connection community which is admittedly currently an email list right that's that's currently what it is it's a it's a monthly newsletter um but we'll share a little bit about you know some of our hopes for that in the in the future and in a moment bob you want to take the last couple yeah, so we have the podcast in the community and you know, I invite you to sign up for the community if you haven't already. Um, Jessica's underselling it. It is a it is a monthly email, but I am underselling it. I'm sorry. But it's got it's <laughs> it's got, you know, sort of a lot of great info it, sort of. It's got a lot of great information. Now who's selling, right? Now who's yeah. backpedaling? It's sort of. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's great. And I and hopefully it's a way. Uh, for all of us in the Practicing Connection community to kind of find a rhythm together. We're all seeing, hopefully seeing the same stuff on a regular basis. And maybe then that will give us a, a foundation to leverage that into some connection between folks and folks in the community yeah. as well. And there are but, opportunities in it also to um, to connect back with us and, and stuff like that. So you're right. I was underselling it <laughs> and it's not because I don't believe in it. I just want to be very clear. It's um, it's because um, just uh, I often am writing the <laughs> the emails, and I'm and I and I you know have a, an issue with imposter syndrome as as many of us do. So please, please go on. It's an it's an aspirational <laughs> community. Yes. Um, the other part of the practicing connection initiative and work is our Twitter account, and we do have a we have a brand new Twitter account. It's at practicing. CXN, you know, sort of our abbreviation for connection. So practicing CXN. Um, and you can find us on Twitter there. And of course, the link will be be in the show notes. And uh, I think that's a that that is a big deal for us. And it kind of gives us a central place to 
kind of uh, to share all of the stuff that's going on here, and then hopefully for you to share too. And um, you know, if you want to use either mention us at practicing CXN uh, in tweets that are connected to this idea of practicing connection, um, or use a hashtag, hashtag practicing CXN, you know, then we can kind of get a little bit more of a conversation going. Um, and yeah, help us sort of scaffold up that community as well. So the, the Twitter account is the other thing. And then in the building networks for resilience, learning experience, sort of where a lot of this work started, that was kind of our first programming piece to the practicing connection work that still exists out there. Um, uh, and you're welcome to, to engage in it. Uh, we did a little revision uh, in uh, during the pandemic in 2020, um, but we also uh, are planning a little bit more of an overhaul as well. This change, um, not just to the podcast name, but but this idea of a of a full initiative is um, having that umbrella for existing work, but also the things that we want to do. In the future, you know, Jessica mentioned sort of growing the, the community more um, and providing, making that more of a space where people can interact with each other. That's definitely um, something that we want to pursue. Um, and then we're always exploring additional learning opportunities uh, going forward. And, you know, we're always interested in, in your feedback too, in terms of what kinds of things would be helpful uh, to you as, um, as we kind of find our way uh, into the future under this banner of practicing connection. I think that's all we've got for today. So we hope you'll join us in practicing connection as we explore practices to help us feel more connected, empowered, and inspired. Um, and some of the ways to get started, I think Bob has mentioned some of them, but let's just summarize them. Um, you can subscribe to the Practicing Connection podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Audible, by the way. You can join the Practicing Connection community. Um, we've, we'll put the link in the show notes for how to do that. And you can follow at Practicing CXN on Twitter, or you can hashtag Practicing CXN when you tweet. And that's it for this episode. Um, thanks so much for joining us in this conversation. We'd also like to thank our announcer, Kaylin Goebel, Hannah Hyde, and Terry Meisenbach for their help with marketing. And Nathan Grimm, of course, who composed and performed all the music you hear on the podcast. And finally, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, keep practicing. Practicing Connection podcast is a production of One Off and is supported by the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Office of Military Family Readiness Policy, U.S. Department of Defense, under award number 2019 48770 30366.